Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Teresa Chow is into real estate and many other things. She founded Opsis Capital, a real estate investment business. In last week's episode, she started talking about helping people with startups. She will continue with that today. But first off, though, talking about giving workshops in different cities in China about higher education on a one-month vacation, supposed vacation she took some time ago. And I took a vacation, and then instead of going on, you know, going to like I don't know, like. Italy or like you know the UK or the Maldives. I actually decided to do like a around China、um, speaking、oh. uh, event. So I took on, two, on my vacation. That yeah. So I don't know don't what I was thinking.、Time. I don't waste time. So, but I really I really enjoyed that experience. So I felt talking about starting a business.、Uh, it was actually talking about starting a business and also higher education. Oh, yeah, because、okay. at the time I haven't started my business yet, because、uh-huh. it was right before I started my business. It was、okay. during my vacation, and then I, I did the around the China sort of、uh, China tour. So I went、mm-hmm. to thirty seven cities within、uh, a month. <laughs> yeah, you took a month's vacation. But in hindsight, I feel like it was more tiring than my actual day job. <laughs> yeah, and then but it was nice.、So. Yeah, and. I think I I was interested in giving back, so that program was mainly for students in China. So you talk to all the the best、oh. uh, high schools, uh, all local high schools within China cities, and but in Chinese, right? In,、yeah. in Chinese and English. Oh, because、okay. most of them,、um, they actually speak. Oh, they don't. They actually have pretty good English comprehension because、mm. they're from the best high school in each city. Oh, yeah. So、okay. you're kind of helping them, like、um, educating them about the education system in Australia, UK, and then US. So we we do experience share. Oh, yeah, and most、okay. of us are grad school from all the Ivy Leagues in in in、um, in in the U.S. Mm, mm. and even in the U.K. Oxford, Cambridge.、Oh. So was, I think it was a really fun program. So throughout that program, I also meet people、um, from all walks of life. You know, other speakers, and it was a month. It was very intense. I've never done it before, but it was fun. And after that one month, I was like, Do I want to go back to my day job, or、oh. am I ready to embark on a new journey? <laughs> So I spoke to my mentor, and then、um, after、oh. one、um, an hour long conversation, I was like, "He's like, hey, I don't, I think what you're doing in a start startup is great. You're heading like the B two B marketing department. I think it's great, but I feel like you probably have enough toolboxes in your bag. Maybe it's time for you to start." And I was like, "Yeah, opportunities don't wait for you." Right. So I literally wrote an email then and there after the call with my mentor. I just wrote an email to to my boss at the time and the CEO of of the company,、mm-hmm. and I said, "Hey, I'm submitting my two weeks notice. You know,、uh, thank you so much for the last you know three years of my time. Obviously, if you guys want me to transition for longer, I'm happy to work remotely in addition to the two weeks notice. I felt、uh. like you should never drop the bomb on somebody.、Yeah. So I actually ended up working for an additional month and a half,、uh-huh. but the last month was remote."、Uh-huh. And then simultaneously, I was talking to my my two partners in LA because、um, I actually was already an existing investor for their project. Oh, and I said, "Hey, I feel like you guys are too slow." <laughs> As in, because they have 
Um, they have secured a lot of land, but they didn't have the funding or the resources to develop all at the same time. They were only able to do it one at a time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, why don't um, I fundraise? Why don't I pull the resources together? I'll set up the infrastructure. You guys just bring the land oh, okay. and your expertise and then we'll do it together. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, sure. And I've met them for, for I've known them for like over 10 years. So there is some sort of trust. So I think yeah. it's also very important to find yes, good business partner that you know for a while and I you know. have some history with. Yeah, that's probably the most important part actually. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, so, and I think that's why it was very clear how we divide our, um, the division of labor was very, was very uh, easily executed because we know each other so well. Mm-hmm. So we know our strength, our weaknesses and whatnot. So yeah, so, so yeah, within a month, I was already on the road fundraising. Wow. Yeah. And, and you're fast too. Relatively fast. I you think, <laughs> yeah, I think I saw maybe over 300 different investors. Yeah. In a span of like two months. Yeah, a month, two months. Yeah. And mm-hmm. these investors were all over the world as well. But mostly, um, yeah, in the U.S. and then um, Singapore, China, Hong Kong. And, right. Yeah. Taiwan. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm curious. How did you find this mentor? He's actually somebody that um, I've known. I actually met him at a wedding eight uh-huh. years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, he's also a serial entrepreneur. So um, I think he started his entrepreneurship journey earlier than me. I think he was at Yale. He's and he, definitely someone older than you, right? He's actually around my age. Oh, yeah. But he started way early because he quit Yale uh, in the middle of his like four year college because he was like, oh, this is not worth my time. I'm going to start my business. This is a genius. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he. Oh, my gosh. Yes, and then he, uh, and then he started his like um, first uh, first startup when he was, I think, nineteen or twenty. Yeah, he just quit college and then he started that. But eventually, he uh, he's so good at negotiation and so good at like working around the system that he actually uh, went back and negotiated with he with his, uh, with his Yale professor uh-huh. so that he could uh, study remotely and get his degree at the same time. Oh, I don't wow. know how he did that. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds like a prodigy. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I think he um I always go to him whenever I have, you know, uh questions about, you know, direction of my career because I feel like he uh he was at a position where I wanted to be because I wanted to have my own business. I wanted to be managing a, a team and I wanted to build stuff. Oh my god. So, I think it's good too. Where have. is he? In the States? He's in the States right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like he's a white guy or He's Asian. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's from Hong Kong originally. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh but I think God. he grew up in Vancouver. Uh huh. He actually went to the same uh, high school, boys' school, with my husband. Oh. So they actually know each other. <laughs> oh, wow. What? But but I didn't meet my husband until like two years ago when I when I first this came is... back to Taiwan. This is how small the world is. <laughs> small. Yeah, I know. No, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's one you know once in a million times that something like that would happen. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Any advice about, you know, um, starting up a business? Any other valuable advice that you can give our listeners? I think um, don't think too much. Don't overthink. Because I think a lot of people want to have the perfect business plan. They want to get everything (laughs) sorted out. But I think... A lot of the time, what you imagine um, usually doesn't get realized. So you have to be very agile and also um, very adaptable. So I, I would say just, you know, 
tell someone to blindfold you and just jump. <laughs> just just start something. Just set up that LLC first. Set up that entity first. If you have partners um, that you think could be suitable for your business, definitely ask him or her. Because if you can't even convince your partner to join on board, it will be very hard for you to com- convince your customer or your client. Right. Yeah, you need to have conviction when you talk. Uh, when you pitch, I think it's very important to have partners because sometimes the entrepreneurship journey is very lonely. Mm. Um, mm. And I think everyone has our ups and downs. So I think when you're up or when you're down, ideally your partner is up so you guys can balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you guys can continue that journey. That works together. the same for couples. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think <laughs> I have to thank my partners, my business partners, because I think they definitely uh, helped me kind of um, hone my communication skills. And mm. I think um, also, I, I think in, in general, Bijal, I'm a little more proactive. Mm, mm. Yeah. So I think it's good sometimes to have someone who's more, you know, the other way yeah yeah the other way i'm like what's the what's a word to describe it like yeah. um inactive no. <laughs> i'm like how do i say in a way passive. that's like, passive, passive but in a positive tonation R- right yeah, yeah yeah like uh yeah right um someone so, who's more thought- thoughtful proactive maybe yeah uh, i don't know do you know the word solopreneur yeah so you don't recommend solopreneur you don't think it actually is good I think everyone is wired differently. I've also seen people who are solopreneurs that have done very successful, but mm. it's actually a company that I invested in. Um, they actually recently sold as well, mm. but it, it was very tough. If you're a solopreneur, I definitely applaud. Mm. I always feel like yeah. it's really cool when I meet someone who just started the business on his or her own terms. Mm. And I think that's really impressive. Um, but I think if you are just starting out, it's okay to start on your own. And mm-hmm. as you feel like there's skill sets or there's areas of weakness that you want to be enhanced, whether it's marketing, whether it's like community or, you know, legal accounting finance, you can then find people to enhance you mm-hmm. or to like, you know, support you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be a partner at your level because I think a lot of people you can hire them as a senior hire like a, a CEO a or CFO or CTO mm. to kind of you know supplement your team mm. but they don't have to be co-founders if you want to remain independent well I think that actually every person needs to be a good team worker but also you know that they're good at working on their own being independent yes yes. yeah you've got to have both i think yes yes so um it's it's important but wouldn't you say you actually start off as a solopreneur i think actually uh well for ops's capital i've known tony and ellen for a long time so i wanted to work with them Mm. so i actually convinced them to Mm. let me join because they actually had a partnership already because they Uh were doing brokerage Uh so they have a real estate brokerage license and as a result they were able to secure land Ah. at a very cheap price because they know what the market value what the comps is right Mm. and at the same time they also knew um, how to secure it before it even gets listed on the market Ah. yeah so what do you think about real estate in Taiwan so I have a lot of developer friends in Taiwan so uh, I need to watch what I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) I think real estate in Taiwan, uh, I feel like Taiwanese people love real estate. Yeah, uh, maybe that's in my DNA. That's why I did real estate too. <laughs> um, I, but I, I just feel like real estate is driven by both domestic demand and also foreign demand. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of other foreign cities I've mentioned, first tier cities, there's a lot of domestic demand as well as um, outbound. 
mm-hmm. as well as foreign demand. Uh-huh. But I feel like for Taiwan, domestic demand is questionable because a lot of the time, the younger crowds, the people who need to purchase home, may not have the purchasing power. I know because the salary hasn't really been right. Increased, right. I hope this doesn't yeah. get too political, but no, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, and so I feel like a lot of time they need to rely on their parents to help them purchase, mm-hmm. and that's really that's tough, mm. right? So I think domestic demand is questionable. And then for foreign demand, there's not as much. I mean, during when Hong Kong had the um, the protests and COVID, there was some Hong Kong demand, uh-huh. but it wasn't. It's not that sustainable. It's not as lasting. Mm. Whereas if you look at Hong Kong, Singapore, LA, there's constantly people from outside of those cities wanting to buy in. But that being said, uh, I think real estate is a very localized play. So I can't generalize Taiwan as a whole. I think looking at certain pockets of Taiwan, obviously, Thailand real estate prices have grown up a lot thanks to TSMC, mm-hmm. right? Because they're obviously expanding their um, manufacturing facilities yeah. and whatnot. So I feel like um, you have to look at pockets. So there probably are still areas of pockets that you know. Um, that could be worth investing or worth looking into in Taiwan. I've been I've been back in Taiwan thirty years, and there's constantly buildings going up. Yes, you know, all these luxury apartment buildings, and constantly. I mean, how do you see that? And how do you see Taiwan's this this high housing prices? I think Taiwan housing prices is it's is really expensive, and I think the yes. rental yield is very very low. Mm. Right, so it's almost unrealistic, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how people just hyped up the price like that you know, I, to the point where like <laughs> only the rich can buy. I mean, what it was, you know, poor average people. But I think like many different industries and and different things that's happening in the world, a lot of things are going very bipolar. The rich is definitely getting richer. Um, the developer is coming up with a lot of products that only the rich can afford because the rich has a lot of money. They do need to deploy their capital, so mm-hmm. they do naturally want to deploy into real estate because yeah. it's safe and it's a large sum of money. So when you say, "Oh, there's a lot of new nice high rises," and yes, because the the rich is still buying them buying up. Them? I think a funny phenomenon is that they don't they don't actually rent it out. They just want to. No. They just want it to be just, there. Yeah, they don't care about the rental yield, but partially it's also because Taiwan rental yield is very, very low. It's right. like one percent, one point five percent. So it's not really worth the uh-huh. the hassle for them. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of developers that's also focusing on smaller units, right? Because land prices are rising, mm-hmm. uh, material labor prices are rising. In order mm-hmm. to kind of come up with products that they feel like the middle class can afford, they need to come up with. Smaller unit. You know, I've never learned so much about real estate <laughs> except today from you. Really, thank you so much. This has really been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All、Charlie. right. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 